Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. Right? <laughs> he clearly, right? oh, ocean schnook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, back in studio. Man, it's going to be back. First show of the year. First show of the year. Here we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, So much to get to, so much to get Mm -hmm. through. We uh, got a lot of catching up to do. How about about this weather? I thought I was going to have to, you know, get out of my truck launch the drift boat to get to your house. You're talking about the road coming in? Yeah, I think I crossed five streams coming yeah, coming least, down, yeah. Which is a first for us out here, mm-hmm. those that have lived here much longer than I. We've been out here about six years. And mm-hmm. even in 2015, 16, when we had like a ton of rain, I don't remember water washing over yeah. the road like it yeah, is. That was unreal. We are getting a ton of rain. And uh, rivers are going to be going straight up. Steelheading is going to be put on hold for a bit. Blackmouth fishing is happening. We're going to get into all that a little bit. It's just, you know what? It's good to see. It's been a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's good man. to see you. How was yeah. your holidays? Yeah. It was great, man. It was great. Yeah. Yep. Time spent with family and friends. You can't beat that. Snow for Christmas. Yeah. You know. Yep. And then the got fight. Junior on the on the quad. Got him out in the snow. He loved it. Well, go yeah. figure. Yeah. 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 Well, we got Harper that Jeep for Christmas. And, right. <laughs> and she's been killing it. Had a little incident here with the garage door yesterday, but her now she's <laughs> she's doing pretty well. So, her first insurance yeah. claim, huh? Yeah. Girl's yeah. got to have her jeeps, and she was like, "Papa, did you guys put those stickers on there? Did they come with the jeep?" I said, "No, we actually put those on to be just like Grammy's jeep." So, uh, oh, yeah, good times, man. Christmas is so much fun with the little kids. Uh, you know, just can't get enough of it. Anyway, we uh, we are happy to be back in studio. Happy New Year to everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, want to remind everybody. You can follow us all week long via social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter, believe it or not, and also uh, our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so, please do us a favor. Jump over to our YouTube channel and uh, give us a subscribe. Hit the uh, hit the like on some of our videos. Check out some of the stuff you haven't uh, caught up on in a while. There's tons of content over there, lots of how-tos, recipes, the whole thing. Um, all that at YouTube and, of course, our video vault here at Facebook. Also, take some time, if you would, Go to our webpage, fishhuntnw.com. You can get to our online store with all our swag, everything that we offer, some of the stuff Tommy and I wear on a regular basis, and the beard. Uh, you can get all that uh, over at fishhuntnw.com, not to mention the great blogs and uh, the how-tos and all the information that is there we provide for you as we move on through the year. And speaking of that, it is a new year, man, 2022, mm-hmm. huh? Yep, time to own it. 
Time to own it. Man, yeah. we got some big plans for 2022. Can't wait to take you all along with us throughout the year and all the adventures we're going to be taking on and all the different fisheries and the hunting and stuff that we love to do. So hopefully 2021 was uh, beneficial to many. I know you and I stuffed our freezers. Oh, yeah, we did. Quite a bit, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, it was a, it was a good year with yeah. all the ups and downs and all the crap going on. Yeah, I mean, we, we completely covered the sea in the field. I think we did. I mean, everything. I think we did. Yeah. As much as possible. Yeah. And we wrapped up our year with a fantastic goose hunt just a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. How was that? That was phenomenal. That was the first time I've ever done that. Yeah, it was so much fun. And, uh, Over there with Shelby a, Ross. That was a blast, literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and uh, our invite that we extended out to a handful of hooks, we had 10 persons over there with us. And, um, you know, uh, the uh, it all just came together. It, it came together, like, right now. Yeah. I mean, it was fast and furious. Yeah. We didn't even have time to go out. And pick up the birds that we shot before the next wave was coming in. They're screaming right. at you. You know, Levi's unreal. like, get back in the blind. Yeah. It's like, yep. we got dead birds yeah. jumping around <laughs> yeah. out here. You know, yeah. so. Dwayne, get down. Yeah. There was that one I laid down. I'm trying to run cameras and capture yeah. this for you guys so like, we can bring it to you next week, hopefully. And birds are coming in. And uh, Shelby says, hit the deck. So there I am, literally face down in the dirt. <laughs> and the shooting starts. And it goes over my head. <laughs> and I heard a thud right behind me. And I had a nice big honk. Yeah, yeah, you almost got whacked by a goose. It was about three yeah. feet off the <laughs> Yeah. The boot that hit the dirt, man. It was unbelievable. But it was a great time. We had uh, we were able to uh, take our guests that were with us. We uh, we enjoyed the yeah. Mardon Resort staff Christmas party and yes. all the free food and it, the timing and was, entertainment provided by Dakota. Portman. Dakota Portman was there, yeah. and we uh, we uh, entertain. <laughs> he entertained the, the the folks for sure. Some were just like, "Who in the who what? is this guy? What did he yeah. just say?" Yeah, right? right. So uh, good times for sure. Um, we're gonna definitely do that some more uh, we're gonna also try to put together a pheasant hunt here maybe just after the first of the year so uh you know be mindful of that but we got it uh got things to do and things going on so um lots of things to look forward to tommy um i think i'm gonna jump out with our buddy matt messing on saturday do some blackmouth fishing go check yeah. that out uh, i'm running down to the coast of oregon next week jump in uh kyle uh uh is uh doing very well on a select number of rivers he's fishing on the coast kyle bushelman and and uh, i get down there at least once a year if not twice and do some steelhead fishing with him and we brought that to you guys before some of the broodstock programs that go on down there in oregon mm -hmm. which are second to none and uh a a footprint or a blueprint for Washington State to take note of and, and try to replicate um, if they could. So there are, uh, there's definitely some things coming up. Then I've got some local uh, fisheries here, steelhead fishing when these rivers drop. Yeah. Gonna be taking and then, advantage. I mean, three weeks away, we've got the show season. We've got Good the sportsman point. show starting up. Yeah. We're going to be there for that. We are. And then immediately, you know, kind of uh, integrated with that, you got the Seattle Boat Show. The Boat Show's coming up. So, so we're going to delve into all that information here uh, moving into the very near future because that'll be on us before we know it. Mm -hmm. And we really, I know there's going to be some restrictions, probably mass requirements, vaccinations, maybe I don't know where they're landing specific to the sportsman show but tommy and i are going to be there as much as we can all five days mm -hmm. uh in our booth and meeting and greeting and selling our swag and just saying hi to folks and we just want to encourage everybody to come out and support that um because we didn't get a show last year yeah i know we did not get a show last year so yeah. we're going to really pull out all the stops and be there this year uh looking forward to seeing a lot of people so uh be nice to get a good showing in that regard um you know thomas while we were enjoying our christmas dinner there were some folks working yeah, there was. Call to duty, so to speak. I'm not talking fire department. I mean, you know, that's kind of a given if you get stuck working yeah. Christmas. But uh, WDFW takes it in the shorts quite often. But when they do good things, 
We yeah, like we to recognize it. We like to recognize it. Thank you. So um, that so happened on Christmas. Christopher Flowers and crew at the Kendall Creek Hatchery had their hands full when at about 11.30 p.m. the first alarm went off uh, notifying uh, Christopher, and he went to figure out what was going on, and we realized they had a pump that had shut down. And so he fired it back up, checked everything, checked the systems, and good to go because water flow is important. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? We've lost. Yeah. yeah. Millions of fish in the past due to generator malfunctions and backup mm-hmm. systems not working, mm-hmm. and people were up in arms like, what the hell? Don't they do you know periodic checks right. on these systems? Well, we can't and, afford to lose any more, right? We cannot. Yeah. We cannot. So uh, then an hour later, alarm goes off again. Uh, Christopher returns and resets some things, only to have pump four. Apparently, it caught on fire. So I think he put it out with some snow. Uh, inclement weather, I mean, he was up against it, man. The, the snow was dumping like oh, crazy. Yeah. The freezing conditions were happening. He's got millions of salmon steelhead to, to keep alive, not to mention the eggs and incubation trays that right. need uh, fresh, flowing fresh water and wash, oxygen. oxygen. Yep. yep. So he kind of remedies that issue. And then again at 3, something, 3.30 in the morning, another alarm goes off. He's lost pump five now. And some other crew members showed up. Took him a couple hours to rectify the situation, but long story short, these guys put in the work to ensure that the water was getting to where the water needed to go. Yep. The the ponds, the uh, rearing areas, the incubation trays, the whole thing, uh, in that they didn't end up losing basically any fish, right? right? They ended up actually uh, saving, if I got in my notes here, they had 1.5 million spring Chinook, 850,000 awesome. 850, Nooksack River coho yearlings, 1 million coho in incubation, 100,000 winter steelhead, 575,000 Kendall Creek coho. I mean, we're talking Unreal. millions of fish. Millions of fish. Yeah. So if, uh, if the gold star goes to anybody, is Christopher Flowers and crew at the Kendall Creek Hatchery facility for WDFW. Hats off to you guys yep. spending your Christmas getting that done. Literally, Tommy, saving mm-hmm. millions of lives. Yeah. Millions of lives. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Anyway, I uh, want to remind everybody, hey, Fisherman's Brew is still a part of Fish Hunt Northwest. We encourage you, if you have not done so, get on board, man. Get on to Fisherman'sBrew.com. Check them out. Order some coffee. 5% of your money is going to go to salmon recovery. I mean, what other coffee company in the state is doing that right, right. now? Okay. You know, so let's get uh, give fishermen support, fishermen's brew the support they deserve. Small business, entrepreneur business here in the uh, in Washington State in the Northwest, trying to do good things for fishermen and helping us out. So they're helping us. We need to help them. Get online. Do us a favor here at Fish on Northwest. Help us support them. Fishermansbrew.com. Okay, uh, running down the show, Tommy. We got a barn burner tonight, buddy. We got lots we of do. information to get through. Uh, in-studio guest, former Washington State Representative Brian Blake is here, Tommy. You met him earlier. Yep. Uh, good guy. Uh, he has submitted his name for the Fish and Wildlife Commission seat. If you're not aware, we'll take a look at uh, who he is and where he stands on a number of issues. I know this uh, is a point of contention for some folks, but I've known Brian for a very long time, and he and I, though we always don't see eye to eye, we've had very uh, gentlemanly conversations, right? Because mm-hmm. there's mutual respect, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. And uh, Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, so <laughs> we can carry on these adult conversations, but we're going to put them in the hot seat tonight, and we're going to ask the direct questions that you all want to know because our social media has been blowing up with, hey, you better ask him this. Uh, moving on from there, you know, you and I spent a little time on the water here a few weeks ago with the Squid King of Seattle, Captain Paul Kim. Uh, we were able to get out there to do a little squid jigging. What a blast that Wasn't was. Wasn't that a great time? Oh, my God. Weather was almost like tonight, but not quite as blustery, but good enough. Uh, we got into some squid, and Paul is so good with information on how to be successful. We're going to bring that to you later on here in the show. 
Then we'll come back in studio round two with Brian Blake. He's not a one round punch kind of guy. We got to hit him twice. So Brian Blake back in the hot seat. What he thinks about the current state of the commission and what he thinks he can bring to the table and will he earn your support? That's the key here. Let's see what he has to say. And then we're going to close out the show, Tommy. Before we get out of here, we have the recipe of the week. We showed you how to catch them. Now we're going to get with Chef Jeff Maxfield and Shing in the kitchen. We'll show you an amazing Italian sausage stuffed squid recipe you'll definitely want to try. Uh, Tommy, we can say that because you and I... We did try it. Oh, my gosh. Not only did Shing make it, right? Mm -hmm. And it was phenomenal. Right. I wanted to see if the recipe was repeatable. Yeah. And so I made it, And and it was phenomenal. Isn't it something? And so... If you follow the recipe laid out by Chef Jeff, yeah, you're going to be in it's good a home hands. run. Yeah, it's and it run. is so good. Yeah. You take squid, you think, oh, they're going to be tough. It's going to no, man. I'm telling no, you, it is not at all unbelievable. So yeah. we want to show you guys how to go get them. We had a great time doing that, and then of course we're going to show you guys how to cook them up in the kitchen with Chef Jeff and Sherry. So really a full rounded show tonight. Lots of information coming at you guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in. You got questions for uh, Brian Blake? Make sure you fire them off here. On the EO Messenger, we'll try to get to as many of those as we can. Although, that being said, Tommy and I have a host of questions for Brian as we get through those two in-depth segments with him. A little longer show tonight, but that's okay. we got a lot mm-hmm. of information to cover. We're just glad to be back. 2022, starting it off right. I want to welcome everybody back in studio with us, and uh, so glad you're here. We are going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. Brian Blake, here in the hot seat, buying for a commissioner at large position, I believe. We'll see what he has to say when we come back right here Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back, Fish on Northwest. Wayne England, Tommy Donnelly here in studio with an in-studio guest, first one of the year. Yeah, it's awesome. Brian Blake, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Yeah. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, this is something I wanted to do, and then once I found out you were running for a commission seat, I thought, what better time to finally get you here in the studio? Yeah, I don't know if running is the right word. Well, but running is probably a loose term. I've applied there, and I'm applied. willing to serve. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, long history with you in the state of Washington, Brian. Uh, you served as a state legislator, state representative in the 19th district, second position, seat two? Seat two, yeah. Right? Uh, and you're submitting for the at-large position? Or? You don't necessarily submit for one or the other. You but just put your name in. Put your name in. You okay. fill out the application. Okay. Um, you were 
in the 19th district from 2002 to 2020? 18 years? Yeah, so it was December 17th of uh, 2002. Okay. Um, and when I first took the oath and then the, uh, the term ended, I, I think in January, first week in January gotcha. of 21. Okay. So uh, that particular region of our state seems to be comprised of a lot of loggers back in the day. Uh, not so much anymore, right? But there are still oh, oh, a yeah. good number, right? Uh, commercial fishermen, oyster, uh, oyster farms, uh, agriculture. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's pretty much your constituents. The state's of, finest beef comes from the 19th yep, district. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about those folks that you represented in that region of our state. Yeah. Very natural resources uh, oriented economy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came out of uh, high school and, and uh, went into logging to pay for college and right. then realized I enjoyed logging and and uh, and uh, went in to do that full time. And uh but yeah, the, the district is very natural resources uh, oriented economy, mills um, and, and logging, uh, seafood uh, processing, um, and it's uh, just uh, salt of the earth folks down there. Okay. So as part of that legislative career that you had, for about 12 years there, you were the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee. Right. Um, talk about how that role um, applies to this commission seat and kind of the management of fishing. Yeah, so I'm, it's not intuitive, you know, how government works. Yeah. And, uh, and so I came into the legislature a little green. You know, some folks come in, they have local government experience. Well, my experience was uh, hunting, fishing, and, uh, and logging, and uh, uh, I did... Uh, um, uh, go to school for forestry and then finished up at Evergreen uh, in environmental studies mm-hmm. and uh, which gave me a, a really good background and then serving as uh, chair you you got to know the players mm-hmm. and uh, and you had uh, the uh, the ability to call people into your office and and, and talk to folks and and uh, and learn and, and you know every day was a learning experience for me uh, you know I Grew up in a, a hunting and fishing household, and and grew up around um, uh, folks associated with the agency. And uh, my father would have gone into probably fish and wildlife, um, but he realized back then in the day it didn't pay as well as going into teaching. Sure. And uh, and so yeah, I uh, y- you get to know folks, and and it takes. Uh, it takes a while to understand mm-hmm. budgets, and uh, and who's uh, uh, blowing smoke, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and and understanding. And and I wanted to hear from folks. They, some of the folks really struggled. Because they would come in and tell me what they thought I wanted to hear, mm-hmm. and I had to stop folks and say, "Wait a minute, I'm not that legislator or that legislator." I want you to tell me the facts and I may have to, I may respond to those facts one way or another, but you're the expert. Mm-hmm. I want to understand uh, your perspective and your knowledge. And uh, it took a while, but, uh, uh, and, 
as people churned over, you had to develop that relationship to folks. And mm -hmm. I mean, I can't count the times where I I would knew I wanted something out of the agency, and and they would explain it to me, and and uh, I'm like, wait a minute, if I choose this, I've kind of boxed myself in here, and if I choose that, I'm Oh man, there's, you couldn't just there's, make decisions. You had to look at the long game. Yeah, there's right? not. Yeah, yeah, not uh, always good, uh, good choices. And uh, and there were some politicians will pander, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be that guy. All right, there's enough of that going on. And uh, uh, I remember a friend who uh, met a, a pretty powerful politician came in, and my constituent came in. I demand you, you made this decision. All right, Senator. A week later, same politician called him in and said, "You changed your decision, and my, I got a constituent that's mad." And <laughs> now we got to go the other way, decision. right? Yeah. All right, whatever yeah. you want, right, you know. Right. And I didn't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because these agency folks have it hard enough, yeah. uh, uh, I also came into. Uh, the uh, legislative process, thinking a Department of Ecology would be my biggest pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. It didn't take a week before I realized that uh, fish and wildlife was uh, <laughs> is where the where, where the, the fight was. Yeah, where the fight was. Yeah, good and, point. And where I also realized that it was always going to be that way. Mm -hmm. It's a very, um, you know, I'm I'm. Uh, I rifle hunt for elk, and I, sometimes I bow hunt for elk, and I muzzle loader for elk mm -hmm. this year. Those three groups don't necessarily get along. Right, a lot and of infighting. A lot right. of chug and pull. We yeah. all want uh, we all want more fish, we all want more opportunity on the public lands, but we got divisiveness amongst our little, you know, human yeah. groups within our groups, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. bode well for our success. So, hey, uh, I wanna ask you, so as a state representative, representing a district or an area, you're representing the people that vote you into office. Fair enough, yeah. right? Yeah. So you keep their intentions in mind when you go in and, and you're, you know, listen to lobbyists and you're, you're trying to make decisions based on what you feel is the direction things need to go. So, I mean, you and I have had many conversations in the realm of commercial fishing, mm -hmm. Google Net, uh, in the history within the region you represented. Yeah, long-standing history of commercial fisheries and your support for commercial fisheries. Um, there are a lot of people, and I would say probably nine to one, number one concern, people going into this thing, obviously Tommy and I cater predominantly to a, a recreational base. Absolutely. So you can understand that the big rub here is, well, Brian Blake has a long-standing history of commercial interests first, recreational second. Uh, so moving forward, you find and I would disagree with that, but okay. Well, that's the that's perception. perception. So fair enough. Uh, you're sitting in a commission seat. Folks are very concerned that you're sitting there on behalf of commercial fisheries first, recreational will get what they get kind of an approach. What do you have to say to those people? Yeah. So as a elected representative of a district, you uh, uh, your job is your district. Mm -hmm. Um, within that legislative job, when you accept a chairmanship, mm -hmm. your job becomes broader and statewide and responsible to both the members of your caucus, mm -hmm. 
and the members of the minority caucus. One thing, you know, you I think you will see in my history as a legislator and chairman is my respect for making sure the minority was heard. And uh, that said, so the legislative job is, is a different job. One of, the, one of the problems I've had with commissioners these last few years is nice people. Um, I, I'm not gonna point out any, any individuals, but when you accept that commission seat, you've accepted that you are going to work to support the mandate that the agency has. Right. It's in statute. The legislature has codified it. It's in statute. This is the mission of this agency. Mm -hmm. And as a commissioner, I believe you have to accept that that's the mandate that you've been appointed to uh, do. And part of that mandate is, is both sport fishing and commercial fishing and hunting. Um, overarching all that, frankly, is conservation, though. I mean, yeah, you, you've point. got to you've got to have habitat and you've got to have healthy wildlife communities before we can have those other things. Mm -hmm. And so, the commission job to me is a different job right. than chair of uh, the Natural Resources Committee, and uh, uh, been very frustrated. I remember talking to a commissioner um, who, uh, you know, frankly, just point blank told me. His, his job was to represent uh, just this narrow constituency. Mm. And, and it's like, no, it's not. You're, mm. you're here to represent the mandate of the commission. Well, it and, sounds to me like you recognize the value of that. Yeah, it's like a, just a little corner of the state. Now you're, it's an umbrella over the entire state. You bet. And, uh, and I think it's important to have a full commission full nine-member commission. We're going to get into that, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's part of part of this commission role, you know, and a hot topic from a lot of the viewers of the show is um, gill nets, right? Yeah. You know, I think we, we received uh, a ton of comments about gill nets, right? And so, you know, with, with that in mind, and then also um, thinking about hatchery production, right? Mm -hmm. Our hatchery production has done more or less nothing but decline over the years, over the last 30 years. And so, you know, and really, um, I, I'm an ocean guy, right? Dwayne's more of more of the freshwater guy, I'm mm -hmm. the saltwater guy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm all about more hatchery production. Mm -hmm. And if that means that I need more commercial fishermen in the system, that's fine. Because I know that if I, even if you said, Tommy, you're going to get 10% of a very large number of fish to go, you know, fish on versus a large percentage of a small number, large percentage of a small number of hatchery fish, still a small number. Um, and so the question is, you know, can we really increase the hatchery production and expect a decrease in the amount of commercial fishing that happens, particularly in the Columbia River? Yeah, and I don't, it's a, it's a difficult question. Um, you know, right now we're talking about uh, Columbia River reform. The, the two commissions have subcommittees meeting between Oregon and Washington, and, uh, and uh, they're talking about some of that stuff. And they, they are talking about uh, uh, the bill in the legislature now to uh, overturn Initiative 77 and make legal 
fish wheels, pound nets, mm-hmm. and all that stuff mm-hmm. that was uh, voted out by the people, make all that stuff legal again. And uh, can you imagine uh, fish wheels at the mouth of the Cowlitz River and Kalama River and Lewis River and, and, uh, and it, uh, um, the pound nets, uh, you will see, I bet uh, Tuesday, you will see uh, Wild Fish Conservancy testify on the, on the bill. Mm. Uh, uh, I've heard rumors that they're supporting anywhere from 15 to 30 of these pound nets on the Columbia River. That's, that's a great segue because it was going to lead into where, where, what are your thoughts? Where do you stand on moving into the future? Recovering our fisheries as we've spent billions of dollars in attempts to do so all across the state, right? Uh, is there a need for or is it even achievable to have the conversation of selective harvest when it comes to commercial fishing? Is it something that we can actually work towards or is it even achievable or is it just a pipe dream out there? Well, that be careful what you wish for is what I would right. ask. Uh, you know, I, I in talking with uh, a commissioner about that, uh, Early in the, the discussion, I saw a draft of the uh, document between Oregon and Washington and said, you, you've got to choose a commercial fishery that's uh, most selective. And then later, there was a clause in there that mentioned that, and it can't uh, uh, negatively affect any upstream fisheries. And it's like, hello, folks, if you put in one, five, 10, 15 pound nets and yep. say, say they have a 2% mortality, mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just scooping hatchery fish out of the system in the lower Columbia River. How can that not harm an upstream fishery? Aren't they held, wouldn't they be, so this is nothing that's been implemented, obviously. Right. So until you implement things, you don't really have rules of engagement. In my mind, of course, I'm simple-minded. I look at, let's say you do have pound nets, and I'm not advocating solely for pound nets, don't get me wrong, but let's say we go down that road. Commercial allocation, recreational allocation. There's a percentage that's recognized as we get the agreed-to fisheries. So we move forward into 2023. Commercial harvest is a mixed bag of pound nets or selective harvest options, along with some gill nets, uh, you know, also out there collecting their fish. They have, a, they have a percentage of the quota. They have a percentage of the take. They have the ability to close those things off. So mm-hmm. this pound net's working on this day for a few days, and they harvest a percentage of the hatchery take, and it's on the front edge of the run. So that makes sense. You don't want to just take everything off the front edge of the run, right? right? We, we know that. So this, this net is in operation for a few days on a week, and then it's maybe closed for 10 days, and then you open it back up to grab a little bit more as you get into the first third of the run. And in my mind, it seems to me that those conversations would happen if we're truly engaging in the conversation of, uh, selective harvest, pound net, whatever type of fish wheel net, right. whatever contraption you want to use. But in the realm of having the conversation of selective harvest, that might be your phone. You want to take that call? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I would think that would be uh, more realistic than not, unless I'm completely missing the boat here. Yeah, that's uh, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. The, uh, um, and we don't know. Right. We don't know right. how that would uh, work out. Do you think it's achievable? Do you think there's a means of trying to figure out how to be more selective in our commercial harvest? Look, we're not going to get rid of commercial fisheries. Tommy and I yeah. agree on that all day long. But is yeah. there room to curtail some of the behavior we've you know, done for over 100-something years and try to be more selective in our harvest opportunities? To what end? Well... 
to make sure we're not having the impacts on the wild fish that we currently have. Uh, the mortality rate on gill netting is much right. higher than 2%. Well, the, the way I would classify it is give us a total system that allows us to increase our hatchery production right. to the full capacity of the river. Mm-hmm. That's what I, whatever that system is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think agree what, with you there. What, what you're kind of saying is, well, what is it? What does that uh, mean? I think for everybody's interested in that. Well, yeah, because then everybody fishes. When yeah. we have plenty of fish, everybody fishes. Nobody complains. Yeah. But that hasn't been the case for, you know, 20 years. So, yeah, it, uh, um, I mean, we'll see the, uh, I think there's just some flies in the ointment that you <laughs> folks better be uh, aware of there. Into this with their eyes open. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, if, if that bill passes and fish wheels are legal, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, I can see, see that gear being deployed. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, just, just be careful what you wish for. I guess we'll have to see. Think, huh? Yeah. Um, I think the uh, uh, the Columbia River is a federally managed fish. They issue a permit. Those mm-hmm. are ESA runs, and they say um, uh, X percent of the wild portion of the run, whatever wild is, yeah, exactly, uh, is going to die. Yep. Um, and it doesn't. If you eliminate um, the commercial end of things, uh, that portion is still going to die. They're going to be caught. And uh, and uh, so I, I just said, be cautious about what you wish for. Mm-hmm. I, I know folks are are not uh, uh, real uh, warm to uh, the current fishery, um, and uh, I went out and observed it myself. Um, when I observed it, when they were targeting coho, they were catching coho, and uh, and. Uh, not touching any steelhead, and uh, and so um, I'm open to change, mm-hmm. and and I, I think that uh, we'll see what comes out of this session, um, but I'm cautious because uh, um, I know some of the players, and mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that they're um, being fully truthful. <laughs> about how this ends up. I, I could see that, knowing some of the players also. Well, I mean, Wild yeah. Fish Conservancy is a known enemy of the state. It doesn't matter who you 100%. are. 100%. Um, there's some other organizations that are wolves in sheep clothing, and we mm-hmm. won't name them, mm-hmm. but um, that totally play into this, right? Sure. And And the whole process um, that you have to undertake to provide these fisheries involves on the order of, you know, 30-plus organizations that all mm-hmm. want to have their hand in the mm-hmm. pie, right? Yep. You know, and so speaking of all of these different user groups, um, you know, and, and when you boil it down to, um, you know, commercial, tribal and and sport fishing, how when you're, uh, you know, somebody on the, the commission and you have an issue that you have to um, determine a decision on, how do you prioritize between, you know, I've got these three primary user groups. How is this one issue going to go? Do the do I do I rule in favor of the commercial guys? Do I rule in favor of the sport guys or the tribal guys uh, or gals? Um, how do you do that? Well, I think again, overarching everything is conservation. Um, you know, we've got thirteen runs of endangered uh, fish mm-hmm. on the Columbia River, mm-hmm. um, and we've got to be um, uh, interested in recovery of those species uh, and get them off the darn list. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of the things I've been very uh, uh, proud of is we don't have listed fish on the coast where I live. Where that's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, I've been able to point to folks that say, "Oh, logging and farming," and I say, "Wait a minute, I'm in the middle of logging and farming, and we don't have listed fish." Right. And uh, you know, when uh, the reporter for the Seattle Times writes from the office in the middle of the largest permanent clear-cut in the state mm-hmm. and starts to demonize rural Washington, I, I get a little uh, protective. And uh, that said, we've got work to do. Um, I'm a sports fisherman. I'm an elk hunter. I'm a mm-hmm. duck hunter. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, I grumbled when they made us switch to steel shot, but it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if the science gets there that, that I have to switch from a cup and core bullet um, and go to a, a mono bullet, uh, um, I'll go there. I've used uh, some of those uh, copper mm-hmm. bullets and mm-hmm. they did work. Um, I'm, I'm partial uh, to uh, Nosler's myself. Acubons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amen, brother. Amen. Long range Acubons, but- uh, Well, getting back on that, do you think it's, is it, is, do you have the ability as a commissioner to be fair and balanced across the board? And Tommy I mentioned, think I do. Tommy mentioned those three user groups, and yeah. you know we're all vying for that last fish, unfortunately. But I think in some regards, we're also working better together than we have in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Which was uh, something I worked on for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Is uh, um, there's still folks out there that want to demonize the tribes and and want to demonize other fishermen, and if and so if folks are asking me. Do I think we'll recover fish by eliminating uh, fishing user groups? I don't think we will. Right. Um, well, that being said, do you think, uh, in some regards, north of Falcon, for example, uh, do the tribes hold too much power at times? Do they handcuff WDFW and/or the commission in some regards, or do you think it's a pretty fair and equitable relationship? Have not sat through. A single North, North of Falcon, Falcon meeting. Fair enough. You know, one of the things... How about did, outside observation looking in? Outside observation, you know, uh, word of mouth. Um, I, I think they, they play hardball, mm-hmm. uh, as they should, mm-hmm. uh, and as we should. And uh, um, I'm not fully versed in, in all the changes. I do know that the, the lawsuit that's going on that seems to be trying to push a crisis. It was at Fish Northwest. Um, Their lawsuit is based on harvest percentages yeah. uh, in, in, in recent years, tribes take being in excess of what their allotted yeah. allocation was. And there's some, there's some documentation to support their claim. So yeah, it landed in court and it's being tried right now, but. And I know. think, uh, uh, I think folks better be careful with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back and read the bolt decision, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, it's the tribes fish last. I mean, we get shut down, they continue to fish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, so I would just caution folks that uh, lawsuits like that, I don't think they're productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, having worked with the tribes, um, uh, they want what we want. And, uh, and I think for us to get into a better bargaining position, we should work with them mm-hmm. um, to restore numbers of fish back to grow this pie. Uh, when there's lots of fish, um, we don't have much to fight about. This is a good point. Yeah. 
You know, so one, you know, one of the questions um, that I wanted to ask was with regards to Inslee's $187 million, um, you know, salmon recovery proposal, salmon and steelhead proposal. And, you know, there's a, in that proposal, there is a, a buyout clause for, um, you know, gill nets in the Columbia. And we've seen that before. It didn't work so well. Um, now, I'm not um, a genius by any means, but if you look at how the fish are allocated in terms of the percentage of the run, does it really matter if there's 20 less gill netters in the system? Are the same, because they can only catch so many fish. So how, do, how does that work? And is this buyout clause in, in Inslee's proposal, does it matter or is it gonna be effective? You know, I think that the previous, um, uh, the industry and the department sat down and negotiated a process. And for whatever reason, some legislators came in and mucked with that process. Had uh, uh, the previous money been allocated and spent, uh, it would have reduced the number of licenses. Um, and with a goal of right-sizing the fleet. Um, for whatever reason, folks blew those uh, uh, agreements up and the governor vetoed what the legislature put in the law. This is a different take. Um, uh, I think it's designed to buy out the entire fleet the way it's designed. But I don't have those details. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a small mention in that overall review of his ask. Uh, Tommy and I kind of beat it up, uh, finding a lot of holes in the entire mm -hmm. program. And the ask for $187 million, we were like, well, where's this money going towards? And we saw the gillnet buyout again. And it, look, I mean, and, and you know where I stand on gillnets, and I would advocate for some type of, you know, uh, selective harvest uh, hands down. But uh, it's failed so many times before, even when it was up and going, when the gillnet reform was in place, implemented while you were in seat, uh, and it was going through that five-year process only to be rolled back, that buyout, you know, they weren't lining up to hand over their licenses and gillnets to get handed a check, even though the incentive was to say, if you come the first year, you're gonna get no money ever allocated. Well, yeah, okay, so. Yeah. Um, but You're talking about the previous Columbia River mm -hmm, reform, mm -hmm. yeah, that that whole reform was designed to fail. Okay, in my opinion, and uh, and uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know how this commission, the two commissions, move forward. Uh, I think they're struggling. Yeah. Um, do you think at times there's too much input and or control? advisement maybe from either the governor's office, JT, or otherwise to directly to the commission. The reason I say that is because we watched the debacle that we'll get into later on, next segment, on the spring bear, which you're well aware of. There seemed to be a lot of political posturing and leveraging. And on, a, on you know, I'll say it, Chair Larry Carpenter uh, kind of blindsided everybody, in my opinion. And it really looked like he was catering to some direction. And the only reason, the only way he's going to receive direction is coming from that upper office. So I look at the commission and go, okay, I get it. You're appointed by the governor. You're confirmed by the Senate. Uh, but how much, how much input do you think comes down out of that governor's office or does he even care? Well, it's unknown. I don't have any direct evidence. Sure. Uh, the bottom line is Larry, Larry is not currently appointed to the Fish and Wildlife Commission. To that is a uh, 
fact. That yep, is a he's fact. He's occupying the seat Correct. unappointed. That is right. Yep. It's been extended uh, with no explanation, no reappointment, no confirmation, <laughs> you know. So it's like, is he buying his time and getting told what to do? Uh, the question's been thrown around by many groups and whatnot, right, yeah. to say, that's is there more leverage coming from that governor's office onto the commission currently than anybody really realizes, or is that just a fabricated, you know, position It's on hard that? for me to tell exactly. Okay. I, uh, um, uh, I, know, I know a lot of the players, and uh, I don't have any smoking gun, if sure. that's the question. No, well, if you did, you well, would. Well, I do have a smoking gun, but it's from... <laughs> My bear this <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you know, and I think the point there is, you know, um, JT Austin, who is a senior policy advisor to Inslee, right? Um, for natural resources, if you look at her resume, you would think she was on the commission, right? And so, you know, I think the point is that that we're getting at is when the commission makes a decision, are they really making the decision as an entity, or is it well they're being affected by these external? Um, you know, entities like, like JT Austin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unknown. I will tell you, I watched those meetings um, and was a little bit perplexed about the debate even. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I, we're going to talk about the blue mountains. Later. We are. And, yep. and uh, um, if we, if we are going to, uh, uh, again, back to my earlier statement about a commissioner and the mandate, there's a mandate um, barring conservation concerns, to provide recreational opportunity, and uh, and spring bear hunting is a recreational opportunity. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I think the no votes. Um, I, I had, I couldn't justify that in my mind mm-hmm. to vote no based on the biological evidence that staff provided. They did a really good job too. They Stephanie was on top job. of it. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, nobody's been more critical of agency staff than I have. Right. Been, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I have to say that the the staff has really shown. Can't think of the the woman's name, but uh, she just hit it out of the park in her work during those meetings. Mm-hmm. And so I was disappointed in the vote. Um, and and the outcome. Yeah, because I I think it was not a biological vote. No, it was, it was a, a social issue, and and I don't think that's their job. Correct. I'm glad to hear you say that. That's and, that's important uh, to have. And I haven't. I'm trying to think if I've. You know, there may have been a time when I did some spring bear hunting. My springs just have been kind of busy, and I'm more of a fall hunter, and uh, and so I just. I'm sure I did some spring bear hunting. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, I, I, I did back in the day. But, but at the core of it is hunters supporting opportunity mm-hmm. and not willing or wanting to see opportunity taken away, Absolutely. especially for political or emotional posturing versus sound science that said otherwise. Pretty much a slap in the face to WDWF staff that's overseeing those programs, a blatant disregard based on emotion. Tommy and I got into this several shows ago when this was a hot topic. Uh, we were going to discuss it a little bit with you, but I'm glad to hear you say that in your mind, yeah. as a commissioner, it's important to rely on science, yeah. not emotion. Chal- yeah. You can challenge right. the science, and uh, um, 
you know, I have, I, I question uh, Rich Beaujolais about the Cougar management mm-hmm. um, as chair. And because uh, I couldn't figure out why they just always said there's 4,000 Cougar or whatever the number was. And, and it took me a while and I finally pressed and pressed and pressed. And he says, well, you know, Mr. Chairman, we don't count the Cougar that are in a, the national parks or on tribal reservations. Hmm. And I said, I ask you a direct question. How many cougar are within Washington State? Those places are within Washington State. Well, we don't have management responsibility for those populations. So we I just said, disregard them? Yeah. I said, these animals are highly mobile. Yeah, they don't roam past boundaries. Come and, on, Brian. You know what? <laughs> this, is a good, this is a good segue, though, because we're going to jump into that. We are going to jump into that. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a little pause here, give you a break, uh, get a little drink, and, uh, you know, refresh. Uh, yeah, first first segment here, lots of questions. Uh, we're going to get through some of this stuff, too. People are lighting up my board here, so we got to, yeah, we got to pay attention to what you folks are saying, and we're willing to do that. Uh, okay, with that, we're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back, Brian. We have many more topics to discuss. Absolutely. Kind of going to walk down the realm of hunting. A little bit of controversy out of the Blues Mountains as of late with the current seated commission. I'm going to talk to you about the current commission and what you think about the the way it's structured currently. Uh, We're going to get to some predator conversations. A lot of good stuff. Things that commissioners should know. Right? Absolutely. And we got some questions coming in here. uh, Folks, keep throwing us your questions. We'll try to pay pay attention to those and uh, interject those in the conversation. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a quick couple minute break. We come back more with Brian Blake in the hot seat right here, Fish Hunt Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day peace of mind as they protect people, and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our clients' security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Hey, welcome back in studio here. Dwayne England, Tommy Donnellan with our in-studio guests, uh, former state representative Brian Blake, 
vying for a seat on the commission. I don't know why you want to get on the commission, but hey. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work. Oh, man. From, from what I've observed of the other commissions. Yeah, yeah. And the pay isn't all that good from what I know. No, so, right. no, there's no uh, we, have a, we have a number of questions to get through on round two here. Uh, we just barely scratched the surface there, you know, the first go around. So um, I'd kind of like to get your opinion on the current commission as it sits right now. Obviously, we just had Koontz resign. So we have seven of the nine seats occupied. Yeah. Uh, and as we already talked or spoke of, his uh, chair, Larry Carpenter, is, you know, who knows, in flux, I guess. Yeah. Um, so some would look at the current structure of our Fish and Wildlife Commission and say it's fractured, you know, and, and, and they're a little concerned. Kind of, you know, what you put your lens on it. What, what do you see? Well, I think you, you've got to have the full commission. Mm-hmm. There's got to be nine members. And, uh, and it's my understanding the statute requires replacement in 60 days. Mm. So um, I don't know what the enforcement mechanism of yeah. that is. But, <laughs> Who's actually counting days or, yeah. But um, I think it's important um, for the f- commission to function to be fully um, filled. And, uh, and I think it's got to be filled with folks that, um, that understand, as we talked about it in the beginning, folks that um, believe in the statutory mandates mm-hmm. of the commission. Um, you know, if, if folks are on there and they don't believe in the statutory mission of the commission and mm-hmm. agency, mm-hmm. Um, they have no business being on there. If they want to change that mandate, their job is over in the legislative branch. Yeah, there you go. And uh, uh, if they're going to be on the commission, they need to accept that uh, mission. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's my hope that the governor will choose folks that are um, uh, of that belief. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, would I like them to be hunters and sports fishermen and, and, uh, and have knowledge of uh, those things? Yeah, I would like that. But I think it's more important just to have people that are critical thinkers and uh, uh, believe in the mission, critical thinkers, open-minded, um, able to work with other people. And, and I'm seeing um, in recent history... I'm not seeing that. Yeah, and and so I think it's important um, that they go find those people and 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 get them on the commission. I think I can fill that role, um, um, but I'm open. You know, uh, it's not my choice, and uh, um, I'm, I'm not running a campaign to be on the commission. Sure, but uh, as I observed the current commission operating, I thought, you know, I'm gonna. Fill out the application so it's there um, uh, if they want to consider me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would say in the oath of the commission, I would add if if it was if I could be king for a day, I would say I I shall make objective, data based decisions as part of my duty to the commission. Um, you know, I think at this point we've we've established that things are out of balance. We've got. Um, a chair that's not officially appointed. We've got an at-large seat that is vacant. We've got an east side seat that's been vacant for some time. And so now you've got this imbalance going on. Um, you know, we're going to get into the bear vote in a couple questions, but you know, that bear vote came down to the fact that we had a four, four tie 
And what was mind-blowing to me was that if you have a 4-4 tie, that means that you're not having a spring bear season. In my mind, that should mean it's a tie. You go with the status quo, right? Mm -hmm. The status quo is to have that season. Um, But really what I'm curious about is when you think of the duty of this commission, what, what, you know, and you mentioned the mission, what is the mission or the mandate for these individuals that are on the commission? Yeah. And, and I can't quote it. I I wish I could. uh, um, But uh, basically it's uh, uh, conservation. It's the overriding uh, mission of the agency. And then within that parameter of uh, conservation to provide uh, um, uh, recreational opportunity Mm -hmm. and, uh, and commercial opportunity where appropriate and uh, uh, is what it boils down to. And, uh, and it, it seems so simple. And uh, and are there some close calls, you know? And are there some failures? And uh, um, I, I I just found it odd that the, the bear discussion, spring bear discussion, um, they, the staff said biologically there are plenty of bears. Um, we, we can have um, a, a season. We're recommending a season. They took their vote, switched gears, moved on to the next deal. Was the coastal steelhead, mm-hmm. and and the staff report was we haven't made a, a statement in uh, I don't know four out of the last five years or whatever, mm-hmm. and yet the same commission wanted was wanted to find a way to have a fishing season where they just uh, had a a, a different set of facts now uh it it just it it blew my mind uh, the the juxtaposition of those two issues right i'm uh, an avid steelheader love my steelheading and um um, we've got to get those fish in a place where we can get back on the water on the coast and fish for those fish what i understand you're saying is like the science wasn't good enough to su- support the decision in the realm of maintaining, as Tommy said, a bear hunt. Yeah. But the science was concerning or good enough for concern on one regard, but yet ah, we still got to find a way to have a season. Yeah. When the, season, when the science says, no, yeah. we shouldn't. Yeah. And over here, the science said, yes, we should. And they went like this. Yeah. Right? Within the same right. meeting. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. meeting. They just Complete switched gears. And, yeah. And, uh, well, you've seen what's been going on with the current commission. Yeah. You know, you kind of, like you said, you watch the meetings, you see the posturing, you see the verbiage used and how we have to play to the base. And, you know, they're, they're thinking about who truly their base is that they, you know, they want to, they want to make sure they treat right. And those are the wrong people to have on the commission. So what, what are you bringing? You're going to sit in the commission seat. People want to know. It's like, what, what are you bringing? You to know, the table I, that's I think I change? bring knowledge. And uh, the ability to ask good questions and uh, to bring out, um, uh, you know, a better understanding of the facts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I think uh, I, I know when to, to push for more information. I know when to keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. and, and, and listen. And, uh, you know, shutting up is a, is a pretty good quality in a commission uh, commissioner you've got uh 
as I said earlier, I mean, nobody has gotten angrier at Fish and Wildlife staff than I have. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've marched over to the Natural Resources Building with, with the intent of yelling at somebody, and I've got there, and the line to yell at people is around the corner. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God, I'm going back to my office, and I'm going to figure out a way to help these guys. And uh, Because it is a tough mm-hmm. arena, mm-hmm. fish and wildlife. And, uh, and it's even tougher when you throw politics on top of it. Well, uh, we got a lot of comments going on. Tommy's going to jump onto another topic here in a second. But I just want to point out, uh, as a sportsman, Brian hasn't been uh, my favorite over the past years, as we've talked about, you know, with your with your position on some of your constituents there in your right. district but uh, over the past years. But anyone who shows up in a Filson shirt and coat has my respect. So <laughs> if dress code is a means of getting <laughs> onto the commission, <laughs> you're heading in the right direction. So yeah, just thought just, we'd point just that out. Just how I dress. Yeah, no, it's all good. All right, uh, we're not having a fashion show here, guys. So yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to switch gears a little bit yep. and um, talk about one of my favorite subjects. Mm-hmm. It's near and dear to my heart, uh, the Second Amendment. Yeah. And so, um, you know, people know that in your your prior legislative experience, you were you are, were Democrat. Um, how do you view the Second Amendment? So I remember when I was a freshman legislator and uh, and the NRA ratings came out that, that first uh, year and I was only rated an A and I called them up and was reading them the riot act and they said, Brian, you got to understand that there's no way, it doesn't matter who you are, you cannot be rated higher than an A um, starting out. And so I worked pretty hard and got myself up to an A plus and uh, I'm a life endowment member of the NRA. I don't always agree with them. Uh, some of the stuff that's going on has got me, you know, a little shaky with mm-hmm. uh, some of the things they're doing. But um, uh, regardless of the NRA, I'm a strong Second Amendment supporter. I'm a, uh, I've been loading my own ammunition since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the the shotgun loader was in my closet, and so all week long it was my <laughs> job to produce enough ammunition for us to duck hunt the next weekend. And uh, started loading my own rifle ammunition. I'm uh, I'm uh, really into lever actions, cowboy guns. Um, I'm currently having uh, Jeremy Lair at Lair Customs rebarrel my 270 into a 270 Ackley Improved. Beautiful. Mm. And uh, so we have to have a whole reamer cut and everything to to get that done. And and yeah. I'm going to get 75 feet more per second, and uh, but that's fine. I've had that rifle for 32 years, and it's served me well, and uh, and it'll be fun. Yeah, awesome. and and hey, so. By the way, um, you're you're talking about reloading shells, you know, and that was your job between hunts. Um, if you hunt with this guy over here. You're going to have to reload a hell of a lot of shells, man. He yeah. sends a lot of steel into the air. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I recall. I was too busy running cameras. Anyway, uh, so, Brian, you know, along with um, the responsibility of owning guns and using guns and hunting and, and shooting uh, at range or what have you, um, there's been a lot of confliction as of late in the state of Washington some of it's coming from our governor's office, some of it from Bob Ferguson. Gun reform, uh, laws are trying to pass. Initiative uh, 1639 back in 2018 and then went, yeah. into, went in place in 2019. Um, I don't believe you were still seated as a representative. Senate Bill 5078 and its companion bill, uh, House Bill 1164. 
Uh, if you're familiar with those at all, it has to do with high ca- capacity magazine uh, band, you know, 10 or more. Yeah. And and um, had a lot of information there, I believe, if I can recall. Barrel lengths were in there, I think, at some point. And just um, uh, some of the... Some of the ways of acquiring guns, gifting guns, all that stuff, right? I mean, you as a legislator, as a Democrat, sitting there when these things were, you know, going through committee, passing through the House, passing through the Senate, and you're kind of reading this stuff, people are bringing forward, you know, being strong supporter of the Second Amendment, avid hunter as you are, you know, how this stuff sit with you? Well, I was able to kill most of it when I was there. Yeah. Uh, you can see so these bills are still trying to be passed. They and, still are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the high-capacity magazine stuff, I said, you know, so you got two, two magazines. They're the same magazine, and this one holds 20, uh, 2.23, mm-hmm. 5.56. The same magazine only holds, uh, uh, what, uh, 7, uh, 4.58 SOCOM. Mm-hmm. So, which magazine is it? Right. Are you, uh, how can you ban, uh, is a seven-round magazine a high-capacity magazine? It's the same magazine. How do you, um, literally, you can take the ammunition out of one, put it in one, and switch. It's. Uh, do you think some of the stuff they're going after is just a little bit over the top, a little too restrictive, a little too, like, and for why? I mean. It's not productive. Yeah. Um, is it going to make, you know, uh, so we need we need safer gun laws, right? Because yeah. too many people are getting killed. I mean, for those of us that are responsible gun owners and, and avid hunters, we don't really have a gun issue, right? And it's not us that are creating the issues or creating the problems. And to uh, to try to pass things through where persons are forced to register every gun they have in their house, and if it's not registered, and you go to try to buy ammo, you can't get ammo for it because oh, we we don't, uh, Mr. Blake, that gun's not registered to you. I mean, these are the types of things that we fear as yeah. avid hunters. And, you know, as this stuff comes up and rears its ugly head in legislation, we just kind of go, God darn, I hope this gets killed, you know. Yeah. So one of the things I've been proposing, and uh, I never did write it up in bill form because it really has to happen at the federal level. But um, we register sex offenders. Let's register, instead of registering people who have committed no crimes, let's have a federal registry of everybody that's prohibited from possessing or purchasing Time a gun. Out. That'll never work. You know why? Why? Because it makes too much sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, seriously, that, that's a phenomenal idea. Every, I mean, let's not penalize everybody. Let's penalize the ones that are creating yeah. the problems. Just yeah. Have, just have a registry. We know that uh, Joe, whatever, is uh, prohibited from having guns. And it's like, Joe, there's a... A, a gun in your backseat. Right. Um, you're going to jail. I, I, I mean, understanding the fact that as a person sitting on the commission, you don't, <laughs> you don't have any part of this any longer because you're not involved in legislation and passing laws and whatnot and even writing them. But uh, I think it, I think it bodes well for people to understand your position mm-hmm. as it relates to Second Amendment and some of these idiotic. Bills that have tried to get through and laws that have been trying to get changed and the handcuffing of America, so to speak, on those of us that just want to have the free right to, to, to you know, to fish and hunt and yeah. have the types of guns we choose to purchase, you know, legally purchase. Um, I think it uh, I think it's important for, for people to understand you as a Democrat, this is where you draw the line. And as a commissioner sitting there, you know, you're a gun enthusiast and you enjoy hunting and you enjoy, enjoy reloading. Hunting. 
and you enjoy yeah. all those things that we enjoy doing in the outdoors as well. And I just feel it's in, uh, it was important for us to kind of have that part of the conversation, let people know where you stand. Yeah. So, so let's jump back into um, kind of some of the recent commission discussions, uh, particularly the Blues Mountain Elk discussion, yeah. right? Um, calf mortality um, is is through the roof. Mm-hmm. We're losing we're losing elk calves. Um, we're nowhere near the objective for that herd in the Blues Mountains. We're at thirty five hundred right we're now. We're at thirty five hundred. I think right. the objective is north of six thousand. I think sixty five hundred somewhere in that I range. Fifty five. I think it's fifty five hundred. Yeah. And, um, you know, you look at that and then you look at the response of of some of the members of the commission, um, one who's no longer on the commission. And the response was, well, let's just lower the objective then. You know, there's obviously not that many elk, lower the objective, um, maybe reduce the hunting opportunity in that area and we should be fine. Do you think that they are dismissing the seriousness of the predator population and again, going back to the data that WDFW, uh, the staff uh, provided, said that, you know, that that elk kill, the, the calf kill is about 70 percent um, from your uh, mountain lions, from your cats. Do you think they're dismissing this threat? Yeah, I uh, I felt their arguments were fairly nonsensical. Um, uh so move the number to 3,500. I don't agree with that, but say move. They're at the current mortality. They're not replacing the 3,500. <laughs> right. right. There's a slope. So the, we'll just keep dropping down. Right. The, the yeah. 5,500 number is a red herring. You know, um, uh, the, we have a problem, folks. And they're not replacing themselves at the lower number. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, and we've identified the reason why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the science is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, you know, just and then move up north to the uh, the the uh, mountain caribou mm-hmm. uh, until we agree to manage predators in that small area, Ponderay County, sure. North Ponderay County. Mm-hmm. You're not ever going to reestablish mountain caribou in Washington. So recognizing the issues with predators in the state, certain pockets, I mean, would you say we have a, a pretty much a statewide mountain lion issue that needs to be addressed? I mean, and did this kind of evolve after years of unsuccessfully hunting them to the numbers of previous when we were allowed to use hounds back in the day? Uh, I don't believe the hound hunting damaged the uh, biologically damaged the cougar population mm-hmm. even when it was uh, up and going. running full bore sure, yeah. uh, and the the uh, uh, that said um, you know I asked the uh, when I was chair of the committee asked the uh, the department um, uh, made the premise that if we had year-round boot hunting for cougar could we damage the population and he said no there's no way you could. Right. They're very elusive. The reality is to manage cougar, um, even by GMU, mm-hmm. uh, probably the smartest way to do it is with uh, hounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, not for everybody. Um, and uh, But I, I think biologically, um, it's the best way to do it. And... Uh, uh, would it reduce my, I'm a boot hunter, mm-hmm. it would reduce my opportunity while well, I say that, and I still haven't shot one. I buy a tag every year, <laughs> yeah. and I have seen them. I just haven't um, uh, taken one. And uh, 
So, yeah, I think, you know, we've got to, what folks got to realize is seven and a half million people in this mm-hmm. state. We've got growth here, growth there, uh, and, uh, and, and folks want opportunity, um, to hunt bear, cougar, deer, elk, uh, et cetera. Uh, we're talking, we, you know, uh, Fishing is part of this show. We want to reestablish fish populations. Part of that is habitat. Right. Part of that is uh, beaver ponds. Mm-hmm. Um, the the guys I talk to say the reason you don't see uh, beaver ponds up in the national forest is uh, up the Wainuchi and Hump tulips is the cougar have learned very well how to harvest beaver. Mm. And uh, uh, if we're going to get those coho back, those right. wild coho that we love, man, a <laughs> wild coho on your rod yeah, is yeah. something else. Yeah. Uh, we need those beaver ponds. The life history of those coho mm-hmm. is to come out of the gravel and find a place to hide, which is usually a beaver pond. They sure. spend that summer. Next year's freshets come. They head out, out the into the estuary. Yeah. And, and we've got to get those beaver ponds. And uh, this is something we should have in common with uh, the conservation community sure and uh we've got to find a way to build bridges with those folks and say come on um enough of the battles let's let's find common ground well i think you, to your point i mean it shows cause and effect right yeah. we, we let the cougars get out of control and then over the course of time nature finds a way yeah. if one is predominantly dominant yeah it has a trickle down effect that next thing you know, we're talking about fish. Yeah. So uh, as a commissioner, uh, I think you see the value in managing our predators, uh, making the call when it needs to be done, unlike some of the things that we've seen come out of the governor's office and others, like as it relates to the wolves on the east side at times. Um, I think WDFW, uh, working with the feds uh, early on in, in structuring this this plan, yeah, you know, we don't want to see an overabundance of wolves on the landscape, but hey, bottom line is they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere, but they need to be managed. And they need to be managed to the point where when we have issues, somebody has to make that call to say, yep, okay, go, you know, do what the plan calls for. Right. And to me, that sounds like it also relies on the science. And I've heard you say science multiple times in this conversation yeah. tonight, right? My father was a science teacher. I've been, you know, that just I've been raised with that core value right. of of uh, uh, using science, but uh, also it's okay to challenge science, sure. and, and I think that's what some of these commissioners felt they're doing. Um, but I, it sometimes it felt disingenuous to yeah. me. So we're talking about predators on the landscape. Yeah, how do you think we're doing in our pinniped? Populations control measures that are in place, and currently what we're doing. I see a little yeah. grin. Boy, this is the hot seat. It is the hot seat. No, the you know, I've long long felt. Um, um, I, I think Congress, you know, has passed laws: the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, uh, Migratory Bird Act, the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Is it was poorly designed? Mm-hmm. I think it was necessary when it was passed. But they, they wrote, they were writing a good bill, and then they never wrote the uh, the sections that said this is how we'll deal with it when they're uh, recovered. There was never a number to say fully recovered, stamp, right? And, and, and now what do we do? And after do they're manage? recovered, how do we manage? Right. This? Mm-hmm. So uh, Congress has got to go back 
and write that chapter about how we manage recovered marine mammals. Right. Uh, I love having them around. I've been out on the ocean and the, the, the gray whales migrating. Oh, man. I mean, it's... Sure. But they're... Um, uh, I've read they're above historical uh, numbers, and yeah. that's why we have dead ones washing up on the beach. They're overpopulated. To that point, I mean, even back when I was doing radio and had you on the show, and we were talking about uh, pinniped predation back then and salmon recovery and steelhead recovery. And I mean, same conversations repeating 10 years later, right? Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, I believe it was 2015 or 16, they accounted for around 10, between 10 and 11,000 uh, California sea lions in the Columbia River mm-hmm. from the estuary all the way up to Bonneville. Uh, in 1984, the uh, total population of California sea lion, I believe, down there, you know, the sea lion caves, everybody comes down to see. It's like a tourist attraction. Go go see the sea lions. was in around ten to 11,000. Yeah. But the population got so out of control after the Marine Mammal Protection Act of 74 that they, the, you know, they are like humans. They're going to outsource. They're just going to migrate and go find the food, right? Yeah. Pretty soon they land up here, and now we're met with this unprecedented amount of numbers of, you know, uh, fish-consuming Mammals that are just absolutely out of control, and I think some of the some of the regulations that have been passed to cull these uh, mammals, uh, including the stellar sea lions, uh, is a step in the right direction, albeit just a band-aid approach. They need to get aggressive on this stuff, and I'm I'm looking for some commissioners that will sit in the seat and help make those decisions and move that stuff through legislation to say yeah. you need to listen to us and make sure this stuff happens. I mean, folks were ask me um, a couple years ago about the issue. And they're like, uh, what do we do? And I said, the first thing you do is you authorize uh, every port and marina that has wharfs that they can haze sea lions off their wharfs. Mm-hmm. Because if the sea lions don't have, they come to those wharfs, you know why they come there, because they can avoid predators. Sure. Sea lions yeah. actually have predators yeah. than seals. Believe it or not. Great yeah. white sharks, mm-hmm. killer whales, the, the variety of uh, killer whales that eats marine mammals. Mm-hmm. They're hiding. And, and so we've made this uh, five-star hotel for them, and they're protected. Sure. And so we can't even haze them off our sport boats uh, and force them to um, lounge uh, in places where they're more accessible to their predators right. that would naturally manage it, Help the population. Least, right? yeah. we, we don't have to have a 50-member a, uh, government team figure out how to trap them and euthanize them. And let's just let people haze them. Cage them and take them down to California, only to release them, and they actually beat the truck back to Washington State. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are those are good articles to read. If you I really mean, I, I've out. got about a buck buck twenty five solution. <laughs> I okay? know you do, and it's after I bought the yeah. original piece of brass, right? And it it, it, it utilizes an acubon. It's very cheap and effective. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Any closing words you want to throw out there before we? No, jump I out I, for, I just uh, think we're at a critical juncture with uh, quite a few. Uh, Conservation issues, mm-hmm. mountain caribou, blue mountain herd, um, salmon and steelhead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, science coming down the road, genetics, uh, what's uh, appropriate uh, uh, stock mm-hmm. um, in, in certain streams. And, and there's all these political agendas. And, and we've got to uh, we've got to find partners and, and friends and sit down maybe with people that we've been fighting with in the past mm. and and build 
build trust and uh, um, I can tell you that the tribes are not our enemy when it comes to fish recovery and the potential for us getting on the water um, uh, in a way that like we used to, mm-hmm. you know, where Westport was the salmon capital of the world. Right. And uh, um, but we've put ourselves in a hole mm-hmm. and, yep. uh, and time to hand everybody a shovel, start digging our way out. Yeah, right? we've. Uh, uh, we've got to start looking at folks that we think have been our enemy in the past and say, you know, um, there's got to be a different way. And that's one of the things I was working on trying to, it took, took me a while to even, you know, uh, sit down and talk to Ron Garner, mm-hmm. a Puget Sound angler. Mm-hmm. Now we talk all the time. Sure. And do we have differences? Sure. We have differences. Uh, well, you and I have differences. Yeah. But it doesn't and, mean we can't carry on a conversation. And, uh, the, the tribes in this state, um, I'm, I'm grateful that they let us fish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they were, they were here first and, uh, um, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, but, uh, uh, we need to recognize, uh, um, they have skin in the game too. Sure. And, uh, um, I know we're frustrated and uh, sometimes, but uh, they're actually pretty good folks. Yeah. All right. With that, Brian, can't thank you enough for taking the time. Yeah, this is important. And, and uh, I, I try and tune into the show when I have time. And, yeah. And uh, uh, very important topics you cover. Appreciate that. I mean, this is uh, Tommy and I feel like we're we're trying to, you know, put something out there where we can have these adult conversations that other other shows and other folks aren't willing to have. Um, and there is a small contingent of folks that still believe that will we'll change their mind, but they still believe that, look, you know, I fish and hunt because I don't want to get into politics. Well, we're not asking you to get into politics. But we're asking you to pay attention as to what goes on behind the scenes, because it's that type of stuff that keeps us off the water, out of the woods. And when you don't get to go play, you go, what the heck's going on? Well, you should have been paying attention because we tried to tell you, right? Yeah. So we appreciate it when guys like you from the walks of life and, and you know, the road you've traveled, uh, take time to come in and speak to the people, let them know a little more about who you are, what you stand for, uh, you know, whether they think you got skeletons in the closet and they're out to screw the recreational fishermen. I mean, this well, is why we wanted to have you in here. Hunting and fishing talk. is the heritage that my father passed on to me right. and I want to pass on to others. Right. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time. Appreciate your effort. We'll see where we land with the governor's appointments and, uh, you know, Hopefully we'll see if uh, you can't find yourself into one of those seats. We'll see where we end up. So, Yeah, talk about a real hot seat. There you go. That is a real <laughs> hot seat. Can't thank you enough. All right, it's going to do it for us. Tommy, any last words? No, we got the Sportsman Show coming up, so don't miss that. Uh, February, February 2nd through, through the, the 6th. 6th. They yep. bumped it into February, which I'm all, yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But, yes, thank you for the reminder, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, February 2nd through the 6th. Pialp Sportsman Show. We will be there, full booth, lots of swag, lots of things to sell, lots of things for you folks to buy, and uh, come and hang out. We'll have the tub chairs and our mini studio set up. Mm-hmm. Just plop on down, have a conversation, share a cold one, and uh, look forward to that show. So with that, uh, we have another great show lined up for you next Thursday uh, here in Studio 6 p.m., so don't miss it. Be sure to stay in contact with us via uh, social media throughout the week. Uh, um, Facebook, of course. Check out our YouTube channel if you have not. Subscribe if you would, please. Uh, and take our content and share it out there so more of our friends can join us each and every week right here at Fish Hunt Northwest. Have a great week. We'll see you next Thursday, 6 p.m. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone 
And you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.